You're listening to Parkway's podcast. This morning, we're going to talk about breakthroughs source. And uh, I really struggled with what to share this morning. Uh, and yet the Lord kept bringing me back to this passage of scripture, Exodus 19, 1 to 6. I'll read it and I'll give just really about a minute and a half of the history and background. And then we'll go from there. On the first day of the third month, After the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell all the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. I just want to say this. First Peter uh, reiterates what God just proclaimed for the nation of Israel to every believer that names Jesus now. Uh, The apostle Peter said, for you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you may proclaim the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's going to kind of be the template of what we're looking at in the next number of weeks as we look at the church, the body of Christ. Uh, And so uh, this morning, let's just look at this passage here. Israel's exodus, though it's historical, the New Testament many times uh, shows that what what happened historically to them is actually a picture, an analogy of what's happened to you and I spiritually when we come to faith in Jesus. They were captives as slaves in Egypt with no way of escape. We were captives, the Bible tells us, and slaves to sin and death with no way of escape. God sent a redeemer named Moses to go proclaim his word and redeem them and lead them out. Uh, You and I uh, know that God sent Jesus Christ into this world to proclaim freedom through the the cross and the resurrection and lead us out of sin. Egypt is a type of life without Christ, a life of bondage, a life of slavery, a life of sin. And uh, the promised land is, is the whole... Uh, picture of this new life, this new chance and opportunity that Christ has made possible to us. And so as we read their story, it is our story as well. 30 days after their miraculous escape, the Lord brings them to, to stop at this place in the desert. It's just, it's not a very big mountain, but it's a fair size, but it's, you know, you can climb up to the top of it. Uh, But God brought them there because he wanted to speak to them. This is the place, it's around this, uh, the base of this mountain where God first appeared to Moses. I just want to throw this out, okay? God, uh, God can never take our families, mom and dads, where we haven't been as the leaders. God can't take a church where the leaders aren't, haven't already been. Moses led the people to this place because this is where God had met with him the first time. Now, as their leader, he has led them there, and now God desires to meet them. Does that make sense? And so God has a purpose in bringing them out. The first thing he tells them is, I carried you out on eagle's wings. And this speaks of protection and care. Now, there wasn't very many of you here last week uh, because of the weather and that, but I was actually going to preach this message last week. But based on that 
uh, one phrase there, I carried you out on eagle's wings. The Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, brought me to Deuteronomy 29 where, we, where I spoke on the whole message that I had last week on how uh, when the Bible tells us that God carried us out on eagle's wings, it, I'll, I've always had this picture like, what do you mean on eagle's wings? Because uh, it almost sounds like he's talking about we're, we're sitting on the back of the eagle. And that's exactly what it means. When, when an eagle carries its babies, it doesn't carry them in its talons like it does its prey. It literally carries them on the pinions, which is the two, the two points where the, the wing muscles meet the back. And it literally carries them like that. Uh, and that speaks of protection because the only threat to an eagle comes from the ground. They soar so high that the only threat that comes, the only predator threat comes from the ground, usually from people. So when, when God tells them, I carried you uh, on eagle's wings, he is saying, uh, I, I didn't only carry you, but I protected you. I shielded you. That mother eagle would literally become a shield to her chicks. And so it's a wonderful picture of the love and care God used to lead them out. He provided water for them in the wilderness, food and protection. He wiped out their enemies. He parted the Red Sea when they were trapped. The deliverance and salvation that God provided on behalf of his people was all his idea and doing. 400 years they were slaves. They were calling out to God. But if God had not have intervened, they would still have remained in slavery and bondage. And so uh, this speaks of, of God's heart in saying, I see my people oppressed, I see my people without hope, so I'm going to intervene, and I'm going to pull them out. And isn't that true of all of us? If God hadn't have intervened in my life, I would have probably either been in jail or dead. How many of you know that's probably true? You wouldn't be where you were today if God had not faithfully drawn you from where you were and brought you into his glorious light. And in verse 14, God reveals his heart and purposes for bringing them out of Egypt. He says, I carried you on eagle's wings, brought you to myself. You will be for me my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What an incredible privilege. God is telling them, you're going to be my own possession. God is saying, you were slaves, you weren't even a people, you had no identity, no land to call your own, no freedom, you were abused, misused, and despised, and yet I have chosen you to be my own. By the way, that's where our our identity comes from, in the fact that God has chosen us. So God took slaves with no education, certainly no self-esteem, And he was making them his very own, and he was going to plant his character in them. He was going to bring them into a land of their very own. But here's the sad truth. The people that God called out of Egypt never entered into the promised land. Their children did, but they never did. Because we're going to see in just a minute that they rejected the price that God, the cost that God called them to, the character change that was needed. And because because we're going to see how they rejected intimacy with God, that they missed out on uh, what God had for them. Here's the, here's the sad truth. This generation failed to break through into the fullness and promises of God because they thought that God was calling them to a land. They thought God was calling them out of Egypt into the land of Canaan. They thought it was geography that God was calling them to, but it wasn't. God was 
calling them to himself. He wasn't calling them to real estate. He was calling them to an intimate walk and relationship with him. He said, I brought you to myself. He was calling them to a place of intimacy, and their ultimate destination was the Lord. And their initial response, we will see, was to go all in. And yet when they heard the cost, that all changed. Now I'm going somewhere with this, okay? So just hang on for a minute. Verse 8 and 9, they responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day the Lord will come down Mount Sinai in sight of all the people. And he goes on, Put limits around the mountain and tell them, Be careful you do not go up or touch the foot of it. For whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Verse 13, Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. And so when the people heard that, they all said, good, we're all in. We're, we're going to do that. And God, this is, so this is what God intended. God intended that the entire nation of people, about a million or so people, gather around the mountain, and you'll see in just a minute how God literally showed up in a cloud of glory. It was like a cloud, uh, and there was thunder and lightning, and God wanted the cloud of his presence, cloud of intimacy to settle upon the entire people, and every single person could experience what it was to be in the very presence of God. It was an awesome opportunity. And so this was to be a place of change. They were to go from being slaves to a people. They were to go from serving the Egyptians to being priests uh, who serve God himself. This was going to literally change their entire life, their identity and their destiny and their purpose. So in Exodus 20, you can read that the days arrived. It's been three days. They've consecrated themselves. They've washed their clothes. They, they've got themselves ready. And God shows up on the mountain. Moses goes up into the mountain. And God is about to manifest his glory and presence and invite everyone to come. But before he does that, God says, in order to experience intimacy, in order to experience me, here's the conditions. The conditions are a character change. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. So he gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And uh, he shares with them, this is what it, it means. And when the people, the Bible says, saw the thunder and lightning. In Exodus 20, it says, when they saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance, and they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. But the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. See, that is one of the saddest statements in all of the Old Testament. Because the people said, Moses, you go. They remained at a distance. Moses entered into the cloud of glory, and it says, and the people remained at a distance. Honestly, that's one of the saddest statements in all of the Old Testament. Because they rejected God. They rejected intimacy with God. The price was too high. They preferred distant respect over intimate relationship. 
And this group of people failed to enter the promised land because they rejected the promise of intimacy with God. The price was too high. They were all for being the people of God, pursuing his presence, but when God reveals to them on the mountain, this is my character, and this is what I want to change you into, they, just, they decided that the price for intimacy was too great. So it's sad. So they chose a man to go on their behalf and stand between them and God. Let Moses go for us. Let Moses pay the price. Let Moses and Aaron and later on Joshua, let them live in a way. Let them live set apart as a priesthood and as a holy people. Let them go, get a word for God, and then you bring the word from God down to us. Uh, but we, we don't want to enter into the presence of God Ourself. Let someone else do the work of consecration and character adjustments and we'll wait till he comes out. And after all that God had done for them, after God showed them his power and glory, that he was able to move aside the waters of the sea if needed, their response should have been whatever the cost, it's worth it just to experience the awesome presence and power of God. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I'm just so grateful I'm no longer a slave and yet they rejected him. And so what happened was, if you were to read their history from this point on, instead of responding in faith, they were constantly responding in fear. Instead of responding in gratitude, remember, 400 years they were in, in, they, they were in slavery. The, the Egyptians were afraid because the Israelites multiplied so much, they were afraid. The Egyptians were afraid that they were going to overthrow them one day, so they started to take all their male babies that were born and throw them in the Nile River to either drown or be eaten by crocodiles or piranhas because it has all of those things. Think about that for a minute. Matt, they would grab your baby, take it from you, and literally just throw them by the dozens into the river. They were beaten. They were, they were whipped. Their lives weren't their own. And over and over again, whenever a problem came, they didn't have water, they didn't have food, something didn't go their way, they would start to, the Bible says, curse Moses and say, why did you ever take us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Wasn't there enough graves there? Think about this for a minute. The fear in them was so great that they would rather go back to that than be where they were. Do you know why? Because if we don't press into intimacy with God, if we don't have a living, breathing, day-by-day -day understanding of who God is, His power, His glory, His greatness, then fear will always replace faith. Uh, gr ingratitude will always re replace gratitude. Because all of those things are birthed out of an intimate walk with him. Out of that entire people, there were only a handful that believed their God was bigger than anything that stood in their way. Because when they rejected intimacy with God and settled for secondhand revelation, they gave fear, defeat, and ingratitude the upper hand. And that's the truth. So let's bring this down to where we live today. At some time or another, God pulled you and I out of slavery to sin and death. Is there anybody in the house today that can honestly say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. My goodness, I was thinking the other day of the lineup of people I'm going to have to go to to thank because God used them to bring me to a place where I was ready to accept Jesus Christ. The prayers, the kindness shown, the forgiveness extended to me, the time and effort that was put into me, the people that spoke to me, kicked me in the rear end when I needed it, encouraged me when I needed it. There is a whole gang of people that God used to bring me to the place where I was ready to surrender my life to Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And all of us had a starting point in our walk, our journey with him. For some, it was many years ago. For others, it's been quite recent. He has set some of us free from addictions. Others, he's pulled out of despondency and destructive thinking and lifestyles. Some of us, he's had to rescue us along the way because of our own sin and our own folly, but he's faithful. And what he's done is he's brought us all together into this place together. Uh, he has forgiven us. He was merciful. He's given us hope and a future. We were not a people, the Bible tells us, but now we are the people of God. That's what the church is, the people of God. And you and I are the church. We're the people of God. We are the hope of this planet. We are the hope of Canada. Not because I'm arrogant, but because that's what the scripture tells us. The Bible tells us that we passed from death to life, and now he's changing us into who we will be. Folks, I'm not who I should be, but I'm certainly not who I was. He's changing me. We were slaves to sin, hopelessness, despair. Now we're children of the King, the Most High God. You and I have an internal inheritance. This is what the Bible says. Whatever Jesus has, you and I will have because we're co-heirs. That means equal heirs with him. And it's not because of anything I've done, but it's because of what that cross that behind us represents, that Jesus paid the price so that whatever he has, we can have because of his mercy and goodness. Thank you for the cross, Jesus. And the life he saved us to doesn't only start when we die and go to heaven. It started the moment you surrendered and gave your life to him. And as we enter into 2015, I believe the question first and foremost for the people of God who collectively gather as Parkway Church is this. Will we enter in or will we run away? Will we choose to go into a deeper, more intimate relationship with God or will we back off and do what I know I struggle with and so many of us do, and it's, Lord, let someone else go. Let someone else pay the price. Let someone else get a word. Let someone else be anointed enough to come and bring it back to me. That's North American church, folks. Thing is, your victory, your breakthrough isn't dependent on me or something I will preach or teach. It isn't dependent on the worship team ushering in the presence of God. All of those things I believe are good. I believe they're biblical. But your breakthrough is dependent on how you choose to respond to the call of God himself. I'm going to, I think I have this in my notes. Oh, I'll, I'll get to it in a minute. Here's the reality. I can't do it for you and your friends can't do it for you. The worship team or ministry can't do it for you. Secondhand revelation isn't enough. God does use those things. My faith took a hit today. I didn't want to preach this morning. I didn't want to be here this morning. My faith took a hit. So in the prayer room, I shared that with Sam. And I leaned on Sam's faith, and he prayed for me. And I'm, my faith is now refocused and repositioned on God. It wasn't this morning. So... I'm not taking away from the preaching of God's word, from the anointing that comes, from the strength that there is in the body of Christ. But folks, your breakthrough won't come because someone else is carrying you. We're here to carry one another. But ultimately, our breakthrough comes because of this statement, come to me, Jesus said, and I will give you rest. God uses all of the things that I just mentioned. 
but it's when we choose to run into his presence and walk intimately with him every day that breakthrough and power will come to our lives. And friends, when we're hungry enough for Jesus, when we, his people, are sturdy enough to seek him daily and maybe turn off the Netflix, the computer, the noise, and all of the things that want to rob us, uh, when, we, uh, when we come to him, that's when we know victory. And then and only then do we have something worth giving to the world. Because there's no church program, there's no worship team, there's no preaching or preacher that can ever translate into being the answer for anyone out there. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's what we have to give. Peter and John uh, in, in the book of Acts came by that man who was crippled and he says, do you have some money? They said, look, we don't have money, but what we do have we'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, they had Jesus to give and he was healed. That's what you and I have to give. Amen? Is anyone in the house today? All right. And we're gathered here this morning. At one time or another before Jesus came, we weren't even a people. The Spirit of God has providentially brought us here. We've got to stop thinking in terms of church as a place where we go. Parkway's the actual, Parkway's the building. It's what we register with the township. The church is you, and the church is me. So we don't go to church on a Sunday. The church gathers together on a Sunday, right? See, this is what we're going to be teaching on next week. Because the church is the called out people of God. And maybe, maybe in life, there wouldn't be a lot that would bring us together because of generational differences, because of societal differences, because of the busyness of life, where we live. Maybe none of those things would be enough to draw us together. But providentially, and in his wisdom, and in his purposes, the Holy Spirit has brought each one of us together. Despite our differences, what we have in common is the fact that you're not here by accident. You are here, part of this church, and we're part of one another because he's willed it, he's ordained it. And so even though uh, we all have different strengths, even though our needs are different, I believe the first and foremost call to all of us as a gathered uh, together body is the same. And it's simply this. God is saying, will you come to me or will you run away? I believe the call to each one of us is a deeper, more intimate walk with him. We're all different, but it's still come to me. I want to say this as well. The, one of the problems that Israel had was it was always God and something else. Okay? Every time a situation came where their faith was shaken, it became God and something else. And, and I just feel like I need to say this this morning. Maybe you're here because of the something else. You're looking for God to fix or heal or repair something else. Breakthrough won't come until it's God and God alone. We've got to start seeking his face and not just his hand. And I'm not saying that we can't come and say, God, meet this need. But sometimes in our, in our approach, it's Jesus. You are my all in all. You're everything I need. And I also need my marriage to be fixed in order to have peace and joy in my life. Jesus, you're my all in all. I believe you're my everything. You're my all-sufficiency. I want to walk intimately with you because you're all I need. And you need to straighten out my financial circumstances because I never really will know joy and, and rest until you deal with that. 
It's, Jesus, you're all I need. Do we run into that or do we run away? And it's more than a Sunday morning encounter or experience. It's interesting that some in the body of Christ feel we need more thunder and lightning experiences. If we tremble before the glory of God, that will straighten us out and deal with sin. Back back to our passage of scripture. God shows up on the mountain with thunder and lightning and rumblings and his glory and his presence is there. In fact, it was so awesome that everybody kind of backs off and goes, right? 40 days later after this encounter with God, Moses comes down from the mountain and you know what he finds, right? He finds them having an orgy while they're drunk, worshiping a golden cow that they'd built and they're bowing before it in the midst of sexual immorality and drunkenness and they're saying, oh, you're worthy, O cow, you're the God who brought us out of Egypt. I pray for spiritual encounters. I pray for the glory of God to be poured out. I pray weekly for revival and renewal to hit our church. But if revival and renewal doesn't lead to a more intimate, set-apart walk with God, it always leads to idolatry. Always. Maybe not drunken orgies, but it'll lead to idolatry. Do you know that? Because we become uh, revival addicts. We become uh, encounter seekers. We become addicted to the anointing. Do you know what a revival junkie is? A revival junkie is a person who seeks after revival and forgets all about God. And, and if the encounters that we have uh, around the altar or in prayer don't lead to a character change, to a transformed life, and to intimacy with Jesus, we'll start to idolize all of the things that God provides and leave him out of it. And so, what keeps us from sin is our love response to Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll what? Obey my commands. And that comes in intimacy with him. The more we know him, the greater we love him. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit deals with our sin nature because it's actually the Holy Spirit in us who makes us holy. And the more room, the more intimately we walk with him, the more of his life in us, the the less room there is for us to sin. I just, I don't know how else to put it. Okay, so moving on. Are you still, you still hanging with me? Because we're almost done. Let me see here. No, I'm just kidding. See, I was only, there's not really that many pages. I'm just joking. We're almost done. (laughs) God wants you and I to reach out for all he has. But as I already quoted Tommy Tenney in his book, God Chasers, we've got to start seeking his face, not just seeking his hand. And it's in that place when we find him to be sufficient that he meets all our needs. And so, your breakthrough and victory depends on this. We're entering into a time of history when being a follower of Jesus will carry a high price. And it is that intimate walk with him that will keep us faithful, empowered, and true. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We can't do it on our own. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. But here's what an intimate walk does. If, if, I'm, if I am 
intimately in love with my wife, I'm going to remain faithful to her, no matter the cost, right? And when we're intimate with Jesus, we remain faithful to him, no matter the cost. It takes intimacy. Persecution, ridicule, marginalization, I believe are going to become common for people who name Jesus as Lord. And you can say, ooh, that's doomsday. Friends, just look at what's going on in the political sphere in Ontario right now. We're being told to shut up and sit down and stay out of our schools and stay out of the government and stay out of society. It's going to get increasingly harder. When difficulties come our way, what will keep us fearless, constant, willing to pay any price? It's the fresh anointing that comes from a walk with him. If your mind is renewed in his word and his spirit is bringing courage, then nothing can defeat us. Amen. If we choose a church culture that says someone else, a pastor or ministry is responsible for my spiritual nourishment and food, we will become weak and anemic. If we believe that only when God fixes our circumstances can we know breakthrough. Friends, it's entering into his presence. Or will we be determined to grow in a relationship with him like we've never known before? God, God wants to deal with you intimately and personally. Do you know that? He wants you to learn to hear his voice. He wants you to open up his word in the morning, read it, and then later in the day, that word will come back to you. And you say, my goodness, I just used what I learned because the spirit of God applied it to me. I want you to be in a place where... uh, He can speak to you. He can direct you. He can guide you. That when you say, Lord, what's your will? You know that he's spoken to you because you've learned to discern that still small voice within you. I I, I want, and I believe, not me, but I believe God wants us all to get to the place that instead of responding in fear and worry, we respond in faith and confidence. And we take a breath and we go, because God has brought assurance to my heart through his word and by his spirit that he is in control and everything's okay. Does that take away? I believe in the last days we need to gather together more. I believe that because, again, there's a strength. There's an accountability that we're going to need. But breakthrough will come in your life when you learn to hear Christ and Christ alone. May your heart reflect the Apostle Paul who wrote in Philippians 3, the very credentials that people are waving around that think it makes them something special, he says, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought had going for me is insignificant. It's dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. That is where life comes from. Life is choosing to run into the provision of his presence. Life is choosing to listen to his voice, turning off the distractions every day so we can have a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit pour into our lives. The Lord told Israel, it's time to grow up. This was the mountain of decision for them. The Lord said to them, listen, it's time to grow up. 
I love Moses. I have a purpose for him. But I want to speak to each one of you individually. I want each one of you to walk into the cloud of my glory and experience how good and how loving and how powerful I am. I want all of you to experience that. All of you. And yet they all backed off and said, send one man to speak to a million of us. And they missed out. Because at the end of it, Moses' faith couldn't carry them into the promised land. Moses' faith couldn't bring them to a place where they even wouldn't stop fearing every time a new challenge came. But God had wanted them all that day to step into the presence and have them just go, God, you're amazing. We will never doubt again. And Lord, when fear comes, we will go into your presence again and find life and find anointing and find power. And in that presence, just as you spoke to Moses so clearly, you'll speak to each one of us. That's where confidence, life, and power comes from. And folks, we live in the New Testament age. That is available to all of us every moment of every day. So if God isn't speaking to us, if we're weak and anemic in our faith, if we find that we're at a place of distant relationship with him and we're starting to depend on others to kind of keep us moving, friends, it's just time for a change. Will we walk away or will we run to him? Will we run to him? So my prayer as the worship team comes is this. This is what I'm praying for our church and this is where we're going in the next couple of months in our teaching My prayer for you is this. That you will never, ever be satisfied for only secondhand revelation. Please, don't misunderstand me. I believe in the preaching of the word. I believe God can speak to all of us this morning. God's used people to speak into my life in the public realm. But my prayer is, folks, if the only time God is speaking to you is through something that is said on a Sunday, you know what? It's not enough to get you through the next six days. It's just not. This is meant to be what equips us and kind of tops off what God's been saying all week. And when he speaks to us, we can come and have the body gather around us and pray into that and stand because there is an authority that comes from the body of Christ. But if, if we're just coming here and the only time we're eating, the only time we're sensing his presence, the only time we're hearing is on a Sunday morning, guess what? We come in this place empty and we leave with just a little bit and we barely squeak through another week. That's exactly what the devil wants. That kind of church culture because it robs us of doing anything for the kingdom of God outside of these walls, right? But if you and I learn to enter into the cloud of his glory every day, he's just a prayer away, he's just a moment away, then look out because that's where transformation comes in this world. And when we come here, we get topped up, we get filled up again, we encourage one another, the gifts are used, but we leave ready, ready to be the priesthood ready to be the holy nation that he's called us to be. My prayer for you is you'll never be satisfied to watch someone else be the flow through which God heals the sick again. My prayer for you is the prayer that God put on my heart a few years ago. I had it at the start of my ministry, but he's rebirthed it in me, that when I see somebody ministering, the grace of healing and the power of God over a life, something in me will say it's not good enough for me to see it. I want to be used by God like that. My prayer for you is when someone stands up, like I did this morning, and, and 
simply says, there were people in my life that loved me, that mentored me, that showed me grace and spent time with me and walked me through difficult times, kicked me when I needed to be pushed. There's something in my heart that you'd say, I want to be that person for someone else. I want to be the person who someday is testified about that they brought me to Jesus. But all of those things come out of the rich wellspring of an intimate relationship with him. That's where it starts, and that's where it ends. Thanks for listening to our message. If you'd like to learn more about Parkway Church, you can visit us online at parkway-church.com.